Welcome to episode 60 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. This is going to be part two of the oral history of the Montebello Stars and the origin stories of Mondo Pettis and the Montebello Stars back starting in 1969 or so, going through the 70s. And we're going to talk to some of the players that played between the years about 2008 to 2014 or so in this episode. Before we start, I want to mention that Vicious Talk with Benny P is the featured podcast of the All Things Analysis Network. Please follow ATA on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all that analysis on Twitter, not all things. Uh, For whatever reason, they don't let us fit in the whole thing in our Twitter page, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube now, also LinkedIn. You can also subscribe on our website, allthingsanalysis.com to check out all of our most recent content on our website. Please also subscribe, rate, review, Vicious Talk with Benny P on whatever platform you're listening to us. We got Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, you name it. We're on all of them. We really appreciate all your support. So coming up on episode 60, we got uh, Jacob and Dave Ramirez, one of the few other father-son duos to play and coach for the Montebello Stars. We also have Connor Hancock and some of the audio from his interview in episode 50 of this podcast. We also have Brennan Martinez, who was a longtime player for the Stars over the last few years. And we got Zach Perez, my brother, and my father, Mike Perez. Here to cover the Montebello Stars on the Vicious Talk with Benny P podcast. I got two old friends of mine. Uh, one was a Montebello Stars coach, and one was my teammate on the Montebello Stars. Uh, father and son duo here, Jacob Ramirez and Dave Ramirez. Welcome to the podcast, my 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 old friends. We're catching up. It's been, you know, too long. It's great to see your your faces and and catch up here. Thanks for yeah, having thanks. us on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us on, Ben. Yeah, and um, the reason why – so I, I don't normally do a, a lot of three-way conversations for the podcast because it's kind of tough to, you know, keep the flow of it. Like, it, it's, you know, sometimes it, it, the, the, the conversations can get, you know, stagnant or, or we're stepping on each other's toes. But I thought this was going to be perfect because we have uh, – I, I, obviously, my father was a coach, and I, I'm looking forward to kind of bringing him on and getting his perspective. But, you know, you guys had your own father-son duo and, and experiences on the stars, and I thought that would be a great way to kind of shine some light on, you know, another another perspective um, here, what I'm trying to work on with this Montebello Stars podcast. And I um, was excited to catch up with you guys because, you know, you, you guys were some of the most loyal and, like, you, and you guys were there for years and, and Dave was a coach and Jake was a player on the team and you guys showed up almost every game. And, you know, that was not always the most easy, you know, that wasn't the most common trait amongst our team. Cause we were sometimes, you know, you guys remember we would have <laughs> players like sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. And sometimes they, they would say they were going to show up and they don't, you know, and you guys were, we all, I was my favorite attribute of you, you both where you guys were so super dependable and always just a joy to be around on the baseball field. And so, Happy to, you know, bring you on, talk about some of the experiences we had. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Yeah, it was definitely a great experience for us. Uh, me as coach, uh, you know, we got the the invite from a mutual friend of your dad and, yeah. and mine. JR. Uh, JR. Yeah, JR Bicot. And uh, he had mentioned to me that uh, the star, that the Montebello Stars were looking for, for a catcher. So at the time, you know, Jacob, was catching he was just about to start high school and so i talked to him and i said hey why don't we go try this out you know if you like it 
you know, mid, you know, it's in Montebello. It was close by. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we didn't know what to expect. We hadn't heard much about the Montebello Stars. At least I hadn't. And uh, you know, I took him out, met your dad, met Coach Mondo, uh, your grandpa, and uh, it, it instantly felt like a good fit. You know, because totally. it was the and you guys it felt like a good fit from other on the other yeah. side. You guys always yeah. hit, the, hit the perfect. You know what we were the the role the motto of the team and the the personalities of the team. You guys fitted perfectly. I thought. Yeah, yeah. and, and you know, again, it was for the love of the baseball. You know, and totally. it started with that, and then it it eventually grew into a little bit more. And you know how the baseball can just kind of teach you different uh, aspects and of the game and yeah. and of life in general. Yeah. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah, and that was the motto of the stars, if I remember correctly. Education through baseball, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's my and grandfather's that, motto. He came up with way back, and then he started it. You know. Yeah, and that that was the definition of, of well, for me at least. I mean, you, we, I learned life lessons through just playing the game. Uh, new teammates uh, rotating in and out all the time. New faces to see. New coaches. It was a it was a real uh, blessing for us, I think, to to be part of that. And it, like my dad has said, he was a, it was a perfect fit. I mean, the, I remember the very first time we walked in, it was at Montebello High School. I introduced myself to your dad. The next person in the line was uh, your grandpa. First thing he asked me was if I was vicious. I had no <laughs> idea how to answer that. Dude, that throws <laughs> everybody off. That throws everybody <laughs> off. It's funny. Yeah. What, what, but the follow-up question was even more intense. And so he asked me, are you vicious? I didn't know how to answer that. And then the second question was, did you eat some chorizo today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like him. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he does that. And it's, that was his, his MO, you know, and, and you, you talked back, to, I, I mean, I've had some discussions with some of his even older ball players played with him, you know, like back in the seventies and same thing, you go, you tell me, are you vicious? Are you vicious? Like that was his thing. And, and, you know, we, I felt like over the years, we kind of really, uh, that's why I ended up naming the podcast that because it felt like, you know, vicious in the dictionary is kind of like a wicked term, you know, kind of mm -hmm. has an evil connotation. But, you know, for us, it was more like being aggressive and and uh, showing some passion for what what you care about. And, and you know, definitely and trying your hardest. And that's what I felt like, you know, we really kind of took took upon ourselves and, and really worked on that. Yeah, definitely. When when uh, I remember the first couple of practices and games, you know, that, that Jacob went to and, you know, I was I was still, you know, trying to, you know, figure out the dynamic of the team. Uh, but I do remember uh, that. And I told him, you know, you know what the coach meant by uh, Coach Mondo meant by asking you if you were vicious. And, you know, Jacob was 14, 15, I think. And, you know, he was like, well, I think, you know, if he's, you know, if he means that I'm angry, you know, and going up there and trying my best. And I go, yeah, well, the, you know, channeling that anger and trying to trying to make it to, you know, benefit you and learn something from that. Yeah. And then, you know, it stuck with him and he, he all through his high school uh, baseball career, you know, he had that mentality and, that, and I credit the Montebello Stars organization, your grandpa, your dad with that, you know, because everybody had that drive. Everybody that came to onto the team just kind of instantly felt that, you know, that, yeah, you know, we're going to go out there and, and, and give it all. And at the end of the day, if, if that's, if you tried your best, you did the best you could, then you were successful. Mm -hmm. Jake, do you, do you remember kind of the, the early, the early days of like when you went joining, how, how, how did you feel like kind of, Cause you were the only one really that was actually kind of from Montebello. 
because <laughs> I mean, because that that concept, you know, it didn't doesn't seem strange nowadays. Travel ball, everybody comes from all over to try to play with the best players they can. But you know, back in the day, my grandfather started this team, and like it was a new concept where he was bringing people from like Garfield High School, Roosevelt, you know, East LA like Compton, like he was bringing everybody yeah. from all over. And it was a hodgepodge of, you know, like, you know, thugs sometimes. And <laughs> I know that wasn't necessarily our, our identity by the time that you and I came around, but like, how did you feel as like, you know, one of you, you didn't really know anybody from school. You, you were, uh, you were, it took you, I mean, you were integrating into uh, some new friends and, and a new right. team. How did that feel for you? Oh uh, yeah. Like, um, honestly, when, when we were invited with Mondo stars, I honestly have not heard of them. Um, and then uh, I came in, I was expecting to see faces or at least some familiar faces from around the area, but um, everybody showed up with a Loyola high school cap. Um, <laughs> and I was, I'm trying to wonder what uh, high school is around the uh, Montebello area. It starts with an M, I'm trying and trying, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was a little intimidating, I would say, I guess, because everybody had their, their uh, tight-knit group there already. So it took a while, not, it didn't take a while, just I had to work in to get into that group. Yeah. And, um, but it was, I don't have any negative, uh, feedback with, of anybody or anyone on the team. I mean, everybody was welcoming. Um, I felt right in, um, the moment I got there, I mean, uh, and then catching, I know you were the catcher and you had got hurt. So I was kind of, uh, your backup there. So, I mean, and you and I, um, we, had, we always needed catchers, you know, we <laughs> never have enough. <laughs> right. Well, we needed pitchers and catchers and totally. pretty much anybody that wanted to play, really. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. No, but yeah, I'm just to follow up on a question real quick. Like, it wasn't hard at all. It was a little intimidating at first, but then once we started talking all that, everybody's welcoming. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, I would have, I would have spent a lot more time there if I could. Yeah. I mean, you and, you and your dad, uh, you guys were, were like lifers for the team. And I know I, know I said that earlier, but it, you were one of the duo or the, you were some of the people that we, for, for me, I mean, obviously I was there throughout the whole time too, but, and I per- personally saw in myself uh, a lot of growth over the years with the stars and you yourself experienced, you guys experienced a lot of the same as well. I mean, Jake, you were a solid player when you, when you came to the stars, but I mean, you really improved on your game a lot as well. And you became one of the most consistent players on our team towards the end. And I thought that was a really neat transformation as well. I mean, I, I like to think that I improved, but you know, I felt like maybe you, me, like Connor Hancock and I, I mean, you know, maybe CJ was he, I know towards the end, he didn't really uh, play as much with us, but he was there for a while, CJ Alvarez, but I felt like there wasn't as many of us, you know, that, that spent like years after years with the team and showed up to, I would say what, at least 90% of the games. I mean, we were there but probably even more than that. And we were playing, you know, dozens of games every summer. And um, what, what can you speak upon with like, it's just the transformation over the years from, you know, that first, that first group that you started with where you felt a little intimidated and you were trying to find your way with a new team and then kind of growing with the team and, and becoming one of the more consistent and, and, you know, you were, a, you were one of like the set in stone players starting the lineup, you know, back, playing second base most of the time. And, and um, you even pitched a few times, you know, <laughs> if we were desperate and uh, what could you speak upon? Like, you know, just kind of that process. Uh, well, I, I definitely felt like I grew. I grew as a player and as a person there. Um, as a player, I think what helped me most was when I started there. I went in as a catcher, like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. and ended up being a finding a, finding so a new home. 
you have uh, find a new home at uh, shortstop and second base, second base uh, mostly. But I mean, I, I remember getting there feeling intimidated. And then as the years went on, as I became a veteran of the team, um, I would just assume already that I was uh, going to go to second base because it all felt natural to me. It just felt like, uh, like I was at home. Um, the natural thing. And then, um, uh, sorry, what was the second part? Oh, uh, towards the end. Sorry. Yeah. Towards the end. Um, I seen the new faces come up, seeing the, the, yeah. I would say the quote unquote younger generation. <laughs> coming wouldn't up. you say, but wouldn't you say that we kind of, although we would sometimes have new faces on the team, we would also keep our similar identity, our, our culture on the team. Oh, definitely. Didn't, didn't change regardless if you know who was suiting up for us. I felt like our, us core players, like you, me, like I said, Connor, my brother, Zach, you know, some of the, the, the players that showed up, um, you know, to I would say over ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the games, we we set the culture. It felt like you know we my, and started with my father, you know, and my grandfather. But yeah, you know, we, we kept it consistent and we kept that culture on our team. You know, we definitely did. Yeah, and, and the, that culture was um, it was just working hard, having fun, and what that was the most most important thing for me. I think was having fun. Um, I don't think there was a time where we stopped having fun because the moment we did, Completely. it would become like a, like a job, I would say. Like it, it was a drag to be there and it never felt that way. Um, the, the culture was just having fun. I remember, I can remember vividly now, like every fun moment we had, I mean, to be from Connor trying to back pick some, a runner uh, from center field to first base <laughs> yeah. or your brother uh, doing some uh, glove flip that he couldn't perfect, stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was fun, but we knew what we were there for to get better, not always to win the game, but to improve our skill. And throughout from the, the day I got there to the day to the last day, and that's what the culture was. Yeah, definitely. So, Dave, um, let me ask you this. So you had an opportunity to, to coach Jake on, on throughout the years on this team. Was it was that your first time coaching him or did you, did you coach him growing up? I uh, coached him growing up when he was younger and it was mostly rec ball. It wasn't mm-hmm. that, you know, at a higher level per se. Uh, so when, you know, when we came out to the stars, uh, you know, I knew he, he had the, the talent. I knew that uh, being a father coach wasn't always the best dynamic for him because, you know, as you know, Ben, sometimes when, you know, dad tells you to do something or you're doing something wrong, uh, you don't necessarily believe him, but then somebody else tells him and he says, okay, well, now I can do it. You know, now it gets done. And so what I liked about it is when I went, when we got to the stars, you know, once I got a little bit more familiar with, uh, with your dad, we didn't feel more comfortable. Uh, you know, he would talk to, to Jake uh, on the side and tell him, Hey, you know, do this, do that. And then I'd go out there and I see him do it. And, um, the the first thing that struck me is like I just told him that, but he didn't listen to me. <laughs> but the second thing was is that he actually went out there and took that advice and uh, and did something with it. He just yeah. didn't, you know, like brush it off. Like totally. he wasn't set in was his coachable. ways. He was, yeah, he was coachable, coachable exactly. Yeah. So I so that's what I liked about it. You know, he was always um, willing to accept that. You know, if it was criticism, if it was uh, you know encouragement, whatever it was. Yeah, he he was uh, he was good. Jake, Jake, t- um, and you know, I kind of think about that. There's a story my my dad told me about Jake. Um, Jake always seemed like one of the players that was always the most honest with himself and, and very humble, but also confident. He had a quiet mm-hmm. confidence about him. And so Jake, I remember my dad told me about 
um, when Jake started transitioning more towards shortstop and in the middle infield and second base, um, he was playing a little short and my dad, and he went up to my dad and uh, coach Mike. And he said, uh, he was, he was saying, you know, some of these guys that are playing shortstop with me, like they're better than me. Like, can I go to second base? Or he said something like along those lines where he said, you know, maybe I'm more comfortable at second base. And yeah. I think that's my better position. And my dad always thought about like how, just how honorable and like how, and how he much he appreciated like how much he respected not only you know his team his teammates he respected how talented some of like the team our teammates were like my brother was an excellent infielder and we'd had some yeah. other guys that could pick it as well uh but jake really understood his role on the team and he really understood like not only was he trying to like he said improve every day when he was out there but he was also trying to help the team win and and better our team yeah better the squad as a whole and i thought i I always gave jake a lot of credit for that definitely yeah definitely and one of the things i do remember uh is that you know i remember your dad uh coach mike saying when every he would he would ask the the team hey if you guys have any uh teammates that you guys want to invite you know this sunday or this weekend tell them to come along i guarantee you if they show up they're going to play yeah and uh you know that was that was the thing everybody had a had a if they showed up and they were willing to put in the work he would find them some some playing time mm-hmm. and you know sometimes it would work out sometimes it wouldn't and but that was the culture you know everybody is welcome come in here work hard be vicious like your grandpa used to say and uh and and you'll find your spot and i think that's what helped jake uh when he started playing in high school because he uh, he felt confident. You know, he went out there and said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll play wherever." Uh, you know, this is I uh, I know how to pretty much play any position. Throw me out there, and, and I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. And I think he got that from playing with the stars. So. I couldn't agree yep. more. You agree, Jake? I totally 100% agree. And that, that confidence boosted me in high school to help other players in that in my high school team find their yeah. home. Yeah. Too. I mean, uh, I mean, I, with the stars, I was a natural second baseman in high school. I played shortstop, but I help that second base counterpart um, and gave him that comp, try to give him that confidence that I, uh, that I received with the stars and I, really cool. it's because of the stars. Yeah. So last question. Well, I have two more questions. So um, for me, I know you guys observed a lot of, you know, ups and downs over the years for, for just over the, you know, the team and individual performances and stuff. And you could, you saw some of my relationship with my father, um, on the ball field you know sometimes it would get real passionate you know that's just me you know I, I cared a lot and that was my style you know I wore my emotions on my sleeve and I, and I wanted to you know to to do my best every time I was out there you guys had a little bit more of a quiet competitiveness about you both and so I would say like between my father and I you know I would sometimes you yell at him and he know so he would sometimes show some frustration with me and uh, we would kind of sometimes you know I just needed my space from my dad and let me ask you guys how, what was your dynamic like on the stars between father and son? Like, cause you guys were a little bit more, you didn't want to, you were more conservative with like, you know, the, the arguments or I, I don't know, you guys weren't as, you know, exposed about it as, as myself. You know, I'm not, yeah. not saying much, you know, I, like I said, I wore my emotions on my sleeve when I played, but you two had, a, uh, it seemed like a very respectful and, and positive dynamic on the ball field. But what, what was like the best parts about being, being, you know, being able to be together out there for all those years? Well, from um, the go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, well, for me, I mean, it was more of a from the conversations I remember between my dad and I. It was always in the dugout, it wasn't in the field unless I was on first base and he was coaching yeah. first. 
but for the most part, we were just trying to analyze the game or, or see what went wrong or try a different approach to what had gone wrong the inning before or something like that. So it, it was more of um, working together to figure out a, a, a new solution to whatever the problem was. Um, yeah. That's what it was for me. I'm not, I'm not sure you want to add to that. that yeah. No, uh, to me, baseball has always been a thinking man's game, you know, uh, and so that's what I would encourage Jake to, to do a lot. I could tell him, I would let him know, hey, look, look at this situation that's going on right now. You know, there's a runner on first and third and, and the pitcher is completely ignoring the guy on third and, you know, he's too focused on the guy at first. You know, how would you deal, you know, how would you uh, deal with that situation? And, you know, I would try to get him to think a little bit. Uh, and then he would, you know, he would uh, give me his his response, and I would he'd say, okay, well, why don't you ask Coach, Coach Mike now what he thinks? And he would go over there, and sometimes, you know, he would ask him. And then, you know, your dad, you know, being the, the baseball mind that he is, he would tell him, you know, the different scenarios, and tell him, look, you gotta, it's 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 more than that, you know, it's how many outs, you know, what what's a batter doing, you know, you know the batter, that kind of stuff. So. Uh, that, that's the kind of the dynamic we had, you know, and after on the, on the drive home, we would talk about the games and say, Hey, you know, and I would always ask him, I go, did you try your best? And he would say, yes. Yeah. Uh, did you, do you feel you could have done better? Yes. And, awesome. uh, is there anything you can do over that, uh, you would have better results? And if the answer was yes to all three, then there's still a little bit more work to do. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know. You know, at the end of my most of my podcasts, I try to you know, as like kind of a little catchphrase. I I like to think that I um I like to mention to listeners like towards the end of my podcast to be like, remember like to ask yourself, are you vicious? Like, are that's what kind of vicious meant to me? Did you try your hardest? Yeah. You know, were you were you pursuing your passions to the utmost of your abilities? Like that, were you you know just trying your best and keep laying it all out there and leaving and and leaving nothing on the table? And that's what I. You know, that's what that's what that reminded me of. And I, that's yeah. awesome, you know. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that we would always talk about. And and I mean, we like I said earlier, we, we enjoyed the time that we spent there. You know, too bad, you know, good things always have to come to an end because that was probably totally. the highlight of my coaching. You know, I, I never played, but I just studied the game as much as I could. Once, once uh, Jake started playing and then my daughter started playing softball, uh, I just studied the game as much as I could so that I can help them be better. And uh, luckily we, you know, Jake ended up with a good organization like the stars that helped them a lot more yeah. to grow both as a player and as a, as an individual. Yeah. I, as, um, a, as a player on the team for all those years, I really appreciated that you guys were always there and I really enjoyed like the games that you guys always showed up and, and I, I, you guys were a great teammate. Jake was a great teammate. And Dave, you were my, you were my favorite coach. Cause my dad, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell my dad that he was my favorite. Um, <laughs> I but, think if you uh, ask Jake, he'll, he'll tell you Coach Mike was his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, last question for you both. So uh, I'm doing this podcast for kind of dedicated to my grandfather as well. And this is his birthday next month. He, uh, he, you know, he has Alzheimer's and it's not at advanced stages yet. He, he's, he's lost some of the sharpness on his, on the, his mental, you know, yeah. acuteness. And, um, but he really appreciates reminiscing and he really likes old stories um, so wanted to ask you both, you could, and you could also talk about my father if you'd like, because I know you guys 
we had more experiences with him as a, cause the head coach of the team. Um, but my grandfather was there, especially during the early days, um, the first year or two, he was there for most of the games, I would say. Um, yeah. What were, what was like, if you had to tell my dad or my grandfather um, kind of what the stars meant to you and what you got out of it, what would you tell them? Uh, for me, I mean, the stars, wow, that, that's a, uh... So it's a heavy question to be honest, Ben, for me, because I mean the the stars were the, the best part of my playing career. I would say it really helped me grow as, as a player, um, but most importantly as, as a person. Um, and it, it was that education through baseball model that your grandfather started. And um, a, anything now after playing with the stars, a, anything in life, I feel I can compare it to baseball. And and I, I relate. Yeah, it, exactly. And it, I think it's because I've had, I spent so much time with the stars with your, with coach Mike and coach Mondo. And, and it really meant a lot because both, both uh, coach Mondo and coach Mike invested in me. I mean, I remember that time. I'm not sure if you remember when we were grand, or we were grandpa uh, took us both to Grand Ray Park and just hit off the tee mm-hmm. for about two, three hours, nothing but just hitting off the tee just to work on our swing. And, and, and it's that little stuff that, that really, uh, hit home, hits home for me because uh, it really showed that they were invested in me. So it, it meant a lot to be part of that organization. It was an honor to play for them. Certainly. Yeah, for me as well, Ben, uh, you know, it, it was a highlight, you know, and being associated with, with uh, people like Coach Mike and Coach Mondo was, was great. You know, uh, there was a lot of other uh, parents, you know, dads that helped out and slash coaches, you know, and uh, it was very welcoming, first and foremost. And uh, once you got to know, you know, Coach Mike uh, and the way his style of coaching and then Coach Mondo, what he brought to the table and how he, he used to uh, communicate to the players, how he used to uh, help them, you know, even if it was just a little pep talk, like, hey, you know, don't worry. That at bat is over. You struck out, fine. Move on to the next one. Have short-term memory. I, I do remember uh, your dad saying that to the players a lot, saying, "Hey, that's that, and let's move forward. We can't, we can, we can't go back and and relive that or do that over again. Let's just move forward, forget it. It's done. Let's move on, and uh, and get better, learn from it. Yeah. You know, and and that's one of the things that I I remember. Uh, I remember your grandpa taking specifically uh, Jake. Uh, you know, as as a dad, you you want to see what you know coaches are telling them and. <laughs> And I, I I can't remember anything negative that either Coach Mike or Coach Mondo said to Jacob. It could have been criticism, but in a constructive way and, and as a form of encouragement. And that's what I think helped Jacob uh, not only become a better ball player, but also a better person because yeah. he brought some of that to his uh you know, in his personal life. And I think he would agree that that, that helped him, you know, uh, away from the field. Totally. Yeah. Those are life lessons that, you know, I, I, I have the same kind of takeaways and I think those are all life lessons that we, we learned on the stars about, you know, just we cultivated and we perfected those kinds of things where, 
yeah. you know, keep a short term memory and, you know, always be passionate and all kinds of those different things that we learned on the field. And I, I, I like you guys, I, I take those lessons and I, and I try to implement them into my own life. And after the, after the fact, after, after our playing days, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't played in a minute, man. I've spent a long time and I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting that bug a little bit. I'm thinking about, you know, working out again and trying to get back into it, but you know, those stars days, those were the golden days, you know, I, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. For sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, Jake and I did back in 2017, um, a friend of ours, uh, he has a, he had a, he, his son was 12 at the time, and he asked me, uh, he was a softball dad, so he, his son coming up being 12, he wanted to play baseball, and he asked us, hey, uh, do you want to help me out, you know, with the team? And I jumped at the, at the opportunity, you know, I said, sure, I'll, I'll help you. Awesome. And I asked Jake, hey, do you want to help out with the team? So we kind of took over the team because uh, <laughs> the head coach was more of a softball dad than, than, than anything. And, uh, you know, from day one, and you can ask Jake, uh, that's the, the the thing that we we implemented is like, hey, be vicious. We used to ask them the same thing, that like grandpa, hey, are you guys vicious? And, you know, even though they were 12-year-olds, they were barely learning the, you know, the, the, yeah. the game. Uh and you know at the end of the season they all took that away that they were there for each other they supported each other they got better and and that was important and i think the reason we were successful with that is because of everything that we learned from your grandpa and from your dad and yeah. from the and from the stars as well definitely well thank you guys so much for for doing this you know i, I really enjoyed our conversation i, I think that you know, we, we I, I think you two were maybe the people I spent the most time with besides my dad and possibly my brother out the, on the, on the field as, with the stars, you know, you, you guys were there, I would say almost just as many games as myself. And, you know, we had a lot of good experiences and I'm glad that we could reminisce and, and discuss, you know, just kind of what it meant to all three of us. And I'm glad that looking forward to, you know, publish, publishing this podcast and, and hearing everybody's stories together. And I think that we all kind of have the same messages and, I think that, you know, I, I consider the stars a blessing in my life. Um, and I was happy to talk about it with you both. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Here. All right, guys. Thanks. Okay. That's it for the interview with Dave and Jake really appreciated and enjoyed that conversation. Next up, we got Connor Hancock and some audio from episode 50 of vicious talk with Benny P. The history of the Montebello Stars is what we could start off with because really I give a lot of credit to my playing experiences and my enjoyment in the sport to the Montebello Stars organization. And I mean, am I wrong in saying that you would probably do the same? Yeah, those are some of my probably favorite memories because I played baseball for what was it like almost 20 years? I think I played 19 years. I started when I was four and yeah. So those, those memories playing on the stars are some of my favorite memories. And it was just such a different experience than playing on other teams because I really felt like it was such a community. And I think your, your, your dad played on it, right? Your grandpa yeah, started exactly. back. Yeah. In, you started in like the eighties in the old days, the 1980s. That's crazy. And then, yeah. And so like to have or it go 70s. from there, have it there and then to like where we were playing 
and then a constantly having like new people, you know, coming through and like, you'd see old faces and the team was pretty big too. That was another thing, right? It wasn't yeah. like, it was just well, like, well, it was funny as we would get like, we would have like games where we were struggling to get nine guys and struggling to get an arm to pitch. And then we would have other games, other games where we would have like 18 guys and we would have yeah, and those, I hate stacked. those games yeah. because your dad actually like, which was cool. Right. But everyone would hit. It's not like it. Cause like traditionally you only have your nine players hit in baseball but your dad would let everyone hit. So yeah, there could be like 20, you know, 20 something guys sometimes, and they all have to go through the lineup. And so sometimes you'd get to, like you said, you get like two or three at bats, three at bats, if you were lucky. And then other times, like you said, there'd be like seven or eight, nine guys. That's all we had. And we had to like figure out, we just roll it out there and, you know, have to figure out who's going to pitch and things like that. So guys like Zach, my brother pitching, like remember CJ would pitch occasionally. Like those were the desperate times. Jacob Ramirez. Remember that? Good too. Like Zach, he had the EFIS. I remember we would always talk about and yeah, no, that was, Oh, that was a lot of fun. Right. I mean, just the, that's just what I love most about, the sport of baseball and youth sports in general is like the friendships you develop and the experiences you have and, and literally the learning lessons you experience through, oh. through it, you know, through the sport, learning about kind of discipline and hard work and friendship and teamwork and, you know, just professionalism and, and taking account for basically your hard work should be reflected on the field. And, and, you know, if you're not playing well, you got to be putting the work in and off the field, you know? So those kind of learning lessons, I mean, there's, there's, we could go on for hours in terms of things you could learn from youth sports, but I felt like we, we really grew the two of us really grew in the Montebello stars organization. And so that's, I think the best place to start on this podcast, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I think playing sports, not just baseball, but any sport, really, if you play that growing up, that gives you so many life lessons that you learn from and things that'll help you. I know you wanted to go into a little bit about careers and stuff, (laughs) playing sports, playing baseball my whole life that like it's given me so many qualities that have helped me in my career. And it just, I think the mentality of athletes is just so different than maybe someone that never played sports growing up. And so when you have like an athlete in a, in a profession versus someone that didn't play sports, it's just the mindset's totally different. Yeah. Do you remember anything? Do you have like a specific memory you could think of from the Montebello stars that like could bring? Yeah. I was, I was thinking about this yesterday too. Um, Definitely. I just, I think in general, I just remember always talking like that was my favorite part was just I didn't even sometimes I didn't even want to play right you like you just want to sit in the dugout and you know talk to talk to the other players talk to like Mike talk to the other coaches and that was like the most fun part sometimes was just like you know talking to people and like talking about whatever um, I well, remember, this is why you were my dad's favorite player because my you know how much my dad loves to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, it was oh, dude. And then I, I Mondo, of course, like remembering the yeah. vicious. I mean, vicious the vicious podcast, right? It's in the name, yeah. but like that's that's what he would always tell me. And you mentioned that earlier when I was younger, how I wasn't as aggressive, like hitting, and sometimes it would be like, "What is he doing?" And that's something Mondo, I just remember like be vicious and he'd go like the vroom, the vroom yeah, and you hit, yeah. right? He'd like make the yeah. hitting motion and he'd yeah. go the vroom. And yeah, so just, oh man, a lot of, a lot of really good times. Whittier definitely like playing at Whittier that stands out. Um, cause we, I, I think we used to play at Whittier college a lot. So yeah, I was more towards like, you know, that was when we started to play some good teams and we were having some good, we were playing a good, we were a good team ourselves, you know, we, and we had a kind of a well-rounded, I thought roster at that point. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm trying to think too, if I still, I want to, I wonder, I think I still have the uniform and everything too, like oh, the, I do. the shirt. Yeah, yeah, I do. And remember too, the old school uniforms where it was actually more of like a jersey, whereas yeah. like the newer ones was just like a kind of a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss those. Those were, those were sick. Oh, there goes the dog. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that but yeah so uh yeah because you have to remember i think like the the thing that the stars did most for me is it just gave me like confidence in baseball because like i actually i got cut from the high school team at loyola when i was a junior so i didn't have like i played in another league but i it was just like the stars and then that other like i was playing in right and so like when you're when you get cut and then you're thinking like, Oh, am I good enough? And you're questioning. And then like, you're having success and you're having encouragement from these coaches. And that's another thing, like not just Mike and Mondo, but like all the coaching staff, right. They were all like amazing. Yeah. Tons of fun and, playing for I them. I remember, remember, I remember fondly John Carswell, Kevin Carswell's father. And he he's passed away since he had, he had cancer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember that really, I, I really hurt took that hard because he, like you said, the coaches on that, on that staff were just such always a pleasure to be around. Yeah. Yeah. The absolute best. Some of my favorite coaches too, definitely that I've ever played for. So yeah, overall awesome experience. Okay. Thank you, Connor, for your part in this story. Really appreciated our conversation back in episode 50. Hope you guys enjoyed that little segment we were able to include on this project. Next up, we got my main man, Brennan. All right, coming on the podcast, another guest of for this project for the Montebello Stars, an old friend of mine, uh, a longtime player for the Stars, one of the guys that started playing with them. Uh, I mean, Brennan was a player, a teammate of mine with the Stars basically the whole way for the second phase of the, the, the Stars generation, the newer generation. Uh, my friend Brennan Martinez, welcome, Brennan. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me on, Ben. Yeah, Brennan, I wanted to bring you on because um, obviously, like I said, you were you were there from the beginning of the, of the stars in the early stages of kind of the reboot. I'm kind of calling it where, you know, the, my grandfather started the stars back in like 1969 or so. And we restarted my, my dad with my brother started it back up in like 2012 or so. And you ended up joining the, the squad. Not too, not shortly after that. I mean, what was it, maybe 2013 or so? Uh, yeah, if I, if I remember, yeah, 2013, I was like in and out. But yeah, it was around that time. Era. Do you remember, how, how did you hear about us? Like, where did you, where did, where did you come on, uh, come aboard? Uh, so if anything, <laughs> it's funny thing, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, you have the Alex Campos. Yeah. Alex brought you aboard. (laughs) Yeah, most likely it'll be him. Or somehow uh, my dad probably like ran into something and like told me about it and brought me onto it. And from there, I was just like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a try. Because prior to the stars, you and I, we we played on the Montebello Brewers before that. So, did did, did, I see you on the Brewers? I, I played with you yeah, a little so, bit with the Brewers, right? So it was either Sean Kennedy that either had yeah. some type of a connection that brought me onto the team afterwards. So it has to date that far back, man. Yeah. Yeah. What's really cool is um, you have a story that I could relate to with the Stars where, well, 
it I, it was different where you when you first joined you were one of the best players on the team i would say i mean you were one of our best pitchers and then my dad as the coach would let you you know get mix in as as a hitter and you weren't a bad okay. hitter in your own right either so you got you got an opportunity cuz you were unique where you were pitching mostly right in high school you didn't really do too much hitting and then and, the stars you I, were, <laughs> Well, I go for a bit. Well, well, you got an opportunity to kind of play all the positions and, and do your thing. I mean, you, you were a lefty and you were playing. Did you play a couple rounds of sh- like a couple of shortstop uh, once in a while? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your dad was just like, you know what? Let's just put the athletic person at short. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> and I remember bugging him about it, and it, it was fun because I know back in my little league days, like, hey, just put your athletic player at shortstop and see what happens. Yeah. And sure enough, your dad let me play shortstop for like a few few innings and he was very impressed from what I remember. I still remember that day too. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, well, the story that I relate with you is you suffered a shoulder injury and you had the torn labrum and you were out for, were you out for a year or close to, right? So uh, I was supposed to be out for just a year, but my rehabilitation was two years. I made it that way. You you ended up though you were playing with us with the torn labrum you were hitting only correct? Yes. So when I came back, I remember your, I told your dad like hey, just let me toss here and there and he was he was he was all right with that he was like yeah yeah come out for your recovery whatnot then your dad's like uh, started letting me get hit and one day I remember asking him like let me play outfield <laughs> like nothing nothing's gonna get hit to me and sure enough the first play. I'm running, uh, playing right field, and balls hit right over my head. I forgot who was playing center that day. And I, I remember getting the ball and underhanding it to him because your dad was just pulling his head out, like, don't throw the ball. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember that. That's funny. Yeah, because, I mean, I relate to that because when I first joined the Stars, I had been coming off of an elbow injury, and I I was only hitting for a good amount of the time. And – you know, the stars were that for a, a decent amount of p- players where it was an opportunity to kind of just hone your craft and, and work at things and get better every day you're out there. And I mean, I really appreciate that opportunity for myself. I mean, obviously it was, it was kind of a family matter with, which is kind of the stars being, you know, my grandfather's organization and my dad coaching and uh, my brother was there as well. But I thought it was really unique where we would have high caliber teams, like good teams that were, were good with good players and competitive, successful teams but we would also you know be an avenue for friends to come out and work on their skills and you know just be be baseball rats and have a good time at the field was that was that kind of a similar experience with you did you kind of like that balance of you know competitiveness but also just having fun and and being an opportunity to just work you on know yeah it was really fun and my downside i wish i would have stood a hundred percent with the stars instead of back and forth between travel ball teams and that's where I saw the. Uh, I was more happy, and I was able to just play baseball. But at the same time, hey, play with a purpose, have fun. But hey, do your shit, man. <laughs> did you did you ever play with my grandfather? Was the assistant coach in the early days? Because he, I know later years he didn't really come out, but he could oh. come out some sometimes early on. Yeah. Yeah, so in the first phase, I remember um, Grandpa Perez being out there with your dad and just, yeah, like you said, assisting. And then after a while, like, he just started slowly, like, backing off, backing off. Did he ever ask you, are you vicious? 
<laughs> no, my favorite thing was, was either, uh, oh, he put some chorizo on that. <laughs> was, oh, he said something with chorizo. And I was just like, oh, man, I, I remember that. That's his thing, dude. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. did you have chorizo for breakfast? Or are you like saying, yeah. stuff like that? <laughs> it's so funny. But oh, yeah, he, he was like, for us in the newer generation, I know he wasn't, he wasn't present as much for games, but he was kind of like the Yoda of, of like, of our team like you know he would show up and he was just like he would just like show a little he would like say little tidbits of wisdom for everybody it was funny but yeah my my dad i think it's really neat because i'm talking to a lot of the older players the older generation of guys who played like in the 70s and such and they talk about a lot of the characteristics and uh, culture that my grandfather implemented back then and i relate like 100 percent to what the culture was when we played with my dad coaching and so i think like I, I talked to my dad about it like he totally stole so much of like what my grandfather was about on the field and like the culture of that he wanted the stars to be like and so why don't you tell me like how did you acclimate to the team like what were your favorite aspects of the camaraderie and being out and playing with the Montebello Stars oh well obviously I first of all I had to show like what I had to bring to the table so that was the um that was the first thing I had to do was well yeah because I mean a lot of the guys were decent players were like good players you know we we didn't have we didn't have scrubs out there most of the time you know no like you honestly like there's some people that showed up and that they wanted to play, but they obviously, your dad turned them away. But other than that, uh, what I thought I brought to the table, I like I put it all out there. One, I was a left-handed pitcher, and that's what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, you guys gave me a shot. Uh, I brought it, went hard. Uh, I love to hit. So I, I still have this one video of me hitting a double at, <laughs> in Montebello. Oh, really? And, yeah, you I remember your dad sending me and that felt so small. I hit the top of the net and bounced back like a, if it was a relay throw to the center field. And I remember this, oh man, I, I, I think it was the East LA Dodgers or something. They had a center fielder with a cannon out there. I remember rounding second. And as soon as I slid, the guy was, waiting with uh <laughs> with his glove right there the worst dude i i've yeah. ever hit a ball off the wall like i hit a rocket off the wall and like i i was like halfway to like almost second base and i just like turned around because i was gonna get hosed that's like oh, yeah. the, you have to be like really fast to get a double to right field at montebello park there that's dude I, I i thought i was fast but not fast enough <laughs> well i wasn't fast and so there was no way i was <laughs> The uh, we could ever figure out if like when we would play there, we never established like if the net was a home run or not. Like you sometimes like you talked about no. you went off the net and you you got a single or yeah. you got thrown at second base, but then other times yeah. people would like assume it's a home run, and it was like it was so frustrating. I uh, dude, <laughs> but yeah, back to the question. Um, yeah, so I just felt like I had to prove myself and show that I had to yeah. like I was able to offer the team something. And so I was just, hey, like, you know what, we're just going to bring this guy on just for a body. Yeah. And you, you guys weren't like that. It was have fun, play hard, and you know what, like, leave it out on the field. Yeah, I thought you embodied the, the culture of our team very well, where you were – you were very easygoing and, and uh, a really nice guy to your teammates and you were a good teammate um, in the dugout and everything, but you were also very serious when you played and you played, like you said, like you played very hard and you were very competitive and you, you know, you 
sometimes like when you pitch, like you were so difficult to catch because you would, yeah. your ball was just like electric at times. And it was, and it, it, it was, I don't know. It was cool to see because I thought you were one of our most consistent players uh, game in and game out, especially when you were healthy. And I, I, I know when it came to pitching, uh, <laughs> my pitch count was pretty high because I didn't want anybody hitting. Well, you were hard to hit. Yeah. You would also nibbled sometimes at the corners. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just remember that being like in a high pitch count area. Uh, the reason for that was because I didn't want anybody to hit or like I'll make them see a lot of pitches or mm-hmm. I'll try to throw the outside corner. And that was like my go-to just outside, outside, then just breaking ball inside once in a great while. Yeah. I remember a game that we caught. I think um, I caught you at a Bosco when you were, that was your high school, your alma mater. Yeah. I think I caught you at a game at Bosco and I think you went seven. I think when you played a seven inning game, you went complete game. I remember. And I just remember thinking, yeah. man, man, that was the best I had ever seen a pitch. I think you, <laughs> you, um, I, I, was it, it might have even been after your injury that this happened. I remember thinking that it was like a big deal that like, Oh man, Brendan looked really good today. <laughs> Remember what was your do you do you remember any like specific games or performances? The one that I remember the most uh, is when I came when I came into the dugout throwing up. Uh, (laughs) It was in Montebello. Oh my god, I remember that like I swallowed some tobacco by accident (laughs) on the drive over there. I didn't want to tell your dad that or your grandpa. (laughs) So I just remember walking with my with my bag just puking all over the field. And I remember your dad going, "Oh, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think it was just food poisoning or something." <laughs> I remember you gave me a Pepno Bismo, and then it's like, "All right, Brandon, you're gonna be you're gonna be pitching." <laughs> I was just like, "All right." All right. <laughs> and I remember that was one of my best games at, at, at Montebello. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. The uh, sorry, one one of those hidden truths has to had to come out sooner or later. Can't hold it back. <laughs> what did you do? Um, what was your favorite part about like the culture of the team? Like especially like you had an opportunity. Like I said, to you were you were playing on a team. I mean, there wasn't probably as many opportunities for you when you were injured. So we the stars were like an avenue for you to work on your craft when you were injured. Like, oh, yeah. What what was your favorite part about that? Because you you were you kind of had to take a backseat to the competitiveness because you weren't playing at your best. But I mean, you also got to enjoy just being part of the team. What was was that a different you know experience for you, or was it kind of just the same thing? Uh, it was pretty out? much uh, no. It was, um, it was all around my experience with the stars would be the same. Um, they welcomed me uh, when I was not when I was not injured they welcomed me back when i was injured and especially like oh you know what you want to work on it and come out here you got an avenue right here you know um your dad really didn't push the issue on me playing but i pushed it on myself and i guess that's what helped was that he wasn't like i need you to do this i need you to do that it's like no no, no, you go on your own like if you want to play come out here if you don't all right but well, did yeah. you feel like we were doing something different? Because, like, you played on a lot of different teams. You talked about, I mean, you, you played in high oh, school, and you played on a lot of different col- uh, travel ball teams. What, what do you think was different about the organization? Because for, for me, I didn't have as much exposure as you. Like, I was – I played on a few different teams here and there, but I didn't play, like – you were, you were, you were like, you were a hot commodity around different travel teams. Uh, or yourself, yeah. that's ultimately what kind of led to your injury. Yeah, so – 
like overall, um, the stars was play, play baseball, have fun. Um, there's, a there's like a sense of urgency as in, um, let's say there's structure. Let's put it that way. A great structure. It was stern. It was leaning at times, but for the most part, there is structure, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, you know what? Go have fun. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's baseball, but at the same time, compete. Where most of these programs that I played for was win, 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 win. And obviously, yeah, we all want to win, but you know what? It's like, who's going to take the time to show you, like, hey, you need to come out on time. You need to stretch out. You need to do you need to do your homework before you come play. Mm-hmm. And that, that yeah, that is what your dad said. Yeah. You're not the, you're not the passive test if you don't practice. Mm-hmm. And so that's what always stuck to me. And whether like your dad, let me use the stars as a practice to gain my ability back from my injury. Yeah. That was, that was perfect in his sense and in my sense to come back to play for the stars, which was that he let me build myself up again. Yeah. And that was something I needed as a baseball player. And so now to your question, which, which is Ben. (laughs) You kind of of touched on it. I mean, you, 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 you spoke to it, but basically for me, the stars always felt like a different, a different team, a different structure. Like when I showed up to the ball field, I felt like we were playing like we, the team that across from us wasn't, they weren't having as much fun as us, not necessarily in terms of like personality. And, and like, I'm sure there's lots of different good chemistries across different baseball teams to talk about, but like they weren't having, it's hard to explain, but the team across from they us weren't. was just different. They were not, yeah, they weren't. They, we they were, were in our own were style. Teams. We were like, unique in our own style. That's yeah. what it felt like for me. Yeah, it was just different baseball. It was, like I said, all I could say with the Stars, I had fun. It was my friends that I was playing with. I could honestly tell you these are my friends, like, to this day. Like, I, I just don't play with them on the baseball field or talk to them on the baseball field. Like, I see you guys after the baseball game, which made that much more different. So, it's like you and your brother. You guys play on the same team. You guys play baseball, but afterwards, you guys would hang out. You guys had a different connection, and so I could say that we built like some type of brotherhood, whether whether like we're on the baseball field or whether we'll just be out out and about. Yeah, that resonates and, with a lot of people that I speak with on this because if I mean the, the stars as a culture and organization really built like a family style kind of brotherhood of you know just people that were enjoying each other's company but also really just playing baseball the sport of baseball really hard and competitively and not only the uh there's like a other thing like most of you guys went to Loyola. Mm-hmm. some of us went to bosco um i know jake went to sure like all over yeah guys from all, all over like. all over and we found a way just to connect we found a way just to make it more than just baseball but once it came to game time we're having so much fun on the field mm-hmm. it's because we didn't have pressure from our parents they actually knew when to let up mm-hmm. they are like you know what you guys been playing baseball for so long just go do your thing mm-hmm. like you had so much practice you had 
so much training from four-year-old into your high school. You know what? Have fun. Go play. Go use it. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like when we go study for um, our major. All right. Now you're done with your major. Go use it. That's how it felt when when we were playing at the start. When I playing with the stars. Totally. I could relate to that 100. percent What? Um, so while we wrap it up in our conversation, I'm giving uh, everybody that I'm talking to just kind of an opportunity to maybe you could, you could speak to, cause uh, my family my grandfather and my dad will listen to this eventually. Like, would you say something to them? Like what the stars meant to you or what would you say to, you know, just one final thing about you, you know, what you got out of the, being a, a part of the Montebello stars organization? Uh, getting out of it is be determined, be focused and you know what? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just have fun in life. Like everything doesn't last. Yeah. And well, what I appreciate is, uh, you cut it out, Ben. No, sorry. Go ahead. You there? No, I cut out. Yeah, I cut out. Okay. Well, what happened with me was basically it. It feels like um, uh, I can't remember what I was gonna say, but we, basically just um, the fact that. It was a, it was like, I really, obviously I was very competitive and very emotional when I played, like I took it very seriously, but what I missed the most is like the camaraderie and the environment that we had as teammates and stuff like that. And it's crazy because I was so narrow-minded when I played and I was so intense and, and like the, the winning and the success mattered so much. But you know, when you look back on it, the fact that we were out there as like friends and we really enjoyed being out there, that's what really resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. Like just talking about it, I want to go play, but I want to go play again, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Uh, that's uh, like always thinking about the stars. It always makes me want to go back and play, Definitely. play baseball. Definitely. Yeah, those were the good days. <laughs> yeah, great days, fun days, dude. I'll do it all over again. <laughs> totally. Well, Brennan, we get we could wrap it up here. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and being a part of this project of mine. I'll, I'll definitely let you know when, when it's wrapped up and looking forward to, you know, combining everybody's thoughts. And I think we'll see a lot of similar themes where everybody just very appreciative and really enjoyed the time. And, you know, that's why I really wanted to put this together because um, clearly my grandfather laid a foundation for a good organization and, and my dad kind of took it home with our generation and, and uh, I think that we, I, I mean, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for my experiences with the stars and you were a part of it. So that's why I wanted to bring you on. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to just kind of talk things over. Uh, no problem, Ben. Thank you for having me, man. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right, later, brother. Thank you, Brennan, for your time. Next up, we got my older brother, Zach Perez. All right, next guest on the podcast for this really exciting project we got going on. Someone that has really been crucial to the story of the Montebello Stars, been a big part of the future generation of of the Stars and, and the reboot of after our grandfather started it in in I think 1969 it was all through the 70s and then I think they kind of slowed down in the 80s. My brother Zach Perez started i mean he, he was a big part of you know the reboot of the montebello stars and he was he was like like me it, he played almost every game that the stars had from what year was it 2012 to maybe 2008 the 2016 or so about four years him and i played um on the stars for a while and wanted to 
obviously bring on my brother, Zach Perez. Zach, thanks, thanks for taking the time out to do this. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I think we started in, in 2008 because that oh, was, really? that was when we had outgoing seniors like uh, Matt Lamb and Nick Pappas. Yeah. And, and Vallejo's, um, these time frames, I'm get I'm, I get them off so much because the stars have been around for so long, but mm-hmm. I keep getting the years off on this thing. So I got to see two, I got to see the end of where it was kind of fizzing out. It was still kind of, it was still a Montebello team. And that was when, when Zuniga was coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, we were younger at that point and they had a club team and then they kind of left the stars and started doing their own thing. And they were the Montebello sharks for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I remember I was looking at, because it was the stars and because of what it meant to our family, dad had looked at having me play with Zuniga when it was still the stars. And that never really, that never really stuck. And then we just were looking for good baseball to play in the summer. I think we were, we were, I was starting to get a little bit more serious. That was my junior year and wanted opportunities to keep trying to get better and playing during the summer. And that's where it kind of stemmed from with dad starting it again. And we invited, it was mostly initially a lot of Loyola kids. And then he opened it up again to starting looking locally in East LA and Montebello area and getting more referrals from people that grandpa knew uh, I think from Montebello High or, or uh, some of the other schools around there. And that's where we ended up getting the next year in 2009, where I was a graduating senior. That's when we had that team where we started getting the core that we played together with for a while, which was Connor had started playing the year before. Uh, CJ got on that team. Brennan got on that team. Mm-hmm. Alex got on that team. Conlon got on that team. That's, I think, when we kind of got into that core that we ended up playing together with that same group of players for maybe four years. That's really cool. What made you – so you were looking just for a, a summer – a good summer baseball team. Like, it wasn't re- – like, did you have an idea of what the Stars were going to be about when we started it back up? Like, because I understand – because we both know that the Stars had a big legacy, a big history. But, like, it turned into what felt like a really important part of our, you know, young adulthood and being a part of the family of the Montebello stars. Like what did that, was, was that ever like, you know, part of it? I don't think I appreciated it right away for what it was. Yeah. Initially, initially it seemed like it was just a, it was just a logo that we were playing underneath. I understood that it was their team or that grandpa had started it and that there was some history there. But I don't think we started it initially with that same sort of it, – it, it definitely didn't have the same sort of culture that we ended it with. Yeah. I it could, was, that, that's a good point. It was more of I, – I think that dad was a good coach and people wanted to play for him. I liked playing for him. I think grandpa was a great mentor because at that point he wasn't really – super hands-on coaching, but he would come around and just talk baseball with the guys. Well, people loved him when he came by. Like they would always try to steal his time to try to get some sort of advice or tidbits out of him as a mentor. But. Yeah. And so that's where, where it became, I think it started with, we just had, we had 
a good coach and we had a mentor who was really unique in his, his experience and, and what he had to say. And that's what initially got people to join. And it was people that we all knew that I think just respected dad and thought that he was a good person and, and was a good enough coach to go and just get some work in. Mm-hmm. And then I think once we actually got on board and started playing more, that idea of what the actual culture that grandpa had built with the stars that ended up continuing with us, I think organically, we didn't force it. It just, when you're playing for people who believe in that idea of, you know, baseball is more than just a game and that there's, there's more that you're going to learn from it. And that the whole education through baseball aspect of it, it kind of just became the, the culture naturally started yeah. thing that way where the players bought into that. And we really developed into more than just a baseball team. That's a good point. Cause I, I, throughout my conversations with the people that I've spoke with for this project, like that, that consistent theme of the, the culture of the, of the stars and like the familial aspect and like it being really a brotherhood of, of, you know, players and, and families that we, it, it was a process in, in our reboot. You could say, like I'm continuing, I'm continuing to call it. It was a process for us to kind of regain that culture, but you're right. In the end, it really did feel like when we, when we hung it up and we, and we, decided to no longer continue to play with the stars in the summer it felt like it was an end of an era almost it felt like you know we were saying goodbye a little bit to some family members and i know that we try to stay in contact with each other but it's just not the same you know obviously and i i keep telling people like i i obviously was super competitive on the field and very intense in and took the success of myself and our team seriously when I played, I just, I really, one of my biggest regrets, and it's not necessarily regret, but I guess it's lack of a better term is, is I regret, you know, appreciating, you know, that, that aspect of it, the culture, the the family aspect, the brotherhood being there with your friends and stuff. So I think that that's a good point. The way you brought up the process of how we shifted that over the course of those, those years. I think the team that we started off with, because we didn't play in a very great summer league. That was when we were Al high a lot and it was okay. And we had some good, some good outgoing seniors from Loyola playing for us. And so I, we won whatever summer league that was in, but that team really just felt like, you know, it was fun to be playing, but there was nothing really super special about that team. Yeah. It wasn't, I think until the next year where, one of the unique things that I think that that the stars motto does is it really it really makes you take ownership of your own development totally and so we started seeing guys really start to do that and I think that as I think about my pro- progression as a player the stars really helped me do that because I was at the time very dependent on who my coach was in getting the best or worst out of me Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't very, I wasn't very good at taking ownership of my own development and making sure that I was getting better or was in control of just, I think the mental side of it too, of mm-hmm. feeling confident in myself and being aggressive. I was, I was someone who rode the, the roller coasters of the highs and lows. And I think that the leadership around me affected me that way where the stars, because, because the leadership was so positive and, and the idea was 
always causing you to think it really forced you as a player to start thinking more inward of like your own process and, and yeah. taking like, I, mean, I think that's the best way of putting it. We, I remember a moment where it was that next year when we started having that core of players and we were playing at Montebello high school and we had a game afterwards where dad had us run the polls and no one was really running them hard. And we had a, we huddled up afterwards and I kind of called out a couple of people about it. No one in particular, but the idea of like, Hey, if you're going to run them, you're not running them for anyone else. You're running them for yourself. And if you're going to run, run to get better. And I don't think that I had ever felt like I was that type of player on a team before that I would be the one to speak up, but there was something about being out there where I felt comfortable to, to lead because I think it was modeled for us really well. Yeah. From there, no one ever had to say anything again. The players kind of just understood it was still fun. It was still, um, I think a very low pressure environment too. You never felt like you were under a lot of pressure, but at the same time, there was a little bit more of an intensity that we started building where guys took it seriously in wanting to get better. And it's a unique situation where you can feel the drive to try to actually improve and push yourself without feeling the pressure of negative consequences. That's well said. I like that. I think, I think I remember that you, you tell talk to the team afterwards and it really, I mean, I can I remember a good, I'm not, a, I don't want to name any names, but I remember a good bundle of them, you know, just they didn't take it seriously enough. And, and I think that you really brought it to their attention and well, the reason why they were out there. And I think we had a great combination of, you know, and I, people talk about this in the, in the conversations that I've had for this podcast is, you know, just, it was a great combination of, of blending the fun and the love of baseball and, and camaraderie with your teammates, as well as, you know, the seriousness and the hard work and dedication it takes to be successful at your craft in baseball. So I think that's the way you said it, it was, was really well, well stated. Um, let me ask you, do you, do you have any like specific memories or stories you could think of that? Like you, when you think back about your playing days for the Montebello stars that, you know, that, that one's your favorite or like this, these, this bundle is your, is, when this happened, like, that was really cool. That was really, you know, what I, what I think of when I, when I remember playing for the stars. There's a few, I, I know listening to some, like I, when you talked to Connor and he talked about the hanging with the guys and you, I agree with the same thing. Um, I think that the camaraderie we had there for that age level was the closest to feeling almost like a a pro clubhouse in the way that like what we got to with actually really pushing ourselves and working hard um, and feeling like we were there to do a job, but at the same time had a lot of fun and talked about a lot of non-baseball things too. And I enjoyed the conversations and, and the, the camaraderie that we built. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite tournaments um, I remember playing in with the stars was that one we played in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I was. Think a- I remember this one. And I, I remember there was one game. It was my my favorite game that I can remember that we played, where we were getting it taken to us a little bit, and there was a guy on the other team. I think we were down maybe 10 runs. It was against Anderson, right? Anderson back company or something like that. Something like that. One of those orange travel teams. And we were down a lot late and the guy tried stealing and um, we threw him out. 
I think Steven Zavala was catching because he had a, a cannon. Uh, but we threw him out at second. And I remember saying something to him after I tagged him, like about like, chirping a little bit about like, really, you're running up this much. And the guy was giving it back to me and was upset that I said something. And then he came in to pitch the next inning. And so I thought like, oh, great, I'm going to get drilled right here. But he left me, left me something to hit and I hit a double off the wall, which felt good. And then we ended up rallying. And that was the game that we loaded the bases down three, like two outs in the ninth and Campos hit a walk-off grand slam. Yeah, and I remember that. That was the coolest. That was, that was one of my favorite games. Cause there was a little bit, a little bit of fire in that one. Um, yeah. I, I remember that was a game where uh, I think Kevin Carswell was a, one of the guys who was really raw, raw and fiery in that. Yes. And his dad was, his dad was talking to, to our dad, um, trying to strategize about like, you know, how are we going to approach the rest of this game versus the rest of the tournament and everything. And, and dad went all in, he threw Kevin he's like, now we're going to play now. We're not going to worry about, you know, two days from now or whatever, yeah. but fun game. Um, I remember that game so well. I was, on, I think I was on second base when Compost hit the walk-off and it was funny because I remember, I think when I came up, I think I was batting right the slot right ahead compost, maybe, maybe the two slots ahead. And I had runners on first and second and it was a perfect, like, if you're going to bunt, this is when you bunt. I think that, I think I was the go ahead run, I think. And he talked to you and he said, <laughs> yeah. dictates to the bunt, but that's not what we do. We hit. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think like the first pitch of the at bat, I got an inside fastball and I just hit it down the line off the wall. I think and I remember that. And it was, that was a great game. I was, I was leaping around the bases. I remember being so excited. That was awesome. I remember that hit yeah. the grand slam for the walk-off from compost was, that was a really fun game. I like, I I'm glad you said that because that's one of my favorite games I was ever a part of too. That summer, that summer, we played a lot of good baseball that summer and we played a lot of games that summer. Yeah. Remember I had, I feel like that was a summer that I really took a different kind of leap as a player for myself. I was an okay high school player. Um, but that was the summer that I started feeling a little bit more confident and something just clicked in, I think the mental side for me, and it was being in that environment and being in that culture. But that's where I went from being just an okay player to feeling like I was a really good hitter. And it went right into me having a good freshman college season too. Yeah. I remember I had a little bit of a hit streak going. And so I, I started not washing my pants. Um, <laughs> I was going to wash my pants until I had a game where I didn't get a hit. And I went that whole summer and I don't think I washed my pants that whole time. <laughs> I remember your pants were so gross that summer. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> they You were wearing small pants because you used to wear the socks high. So they were mm. like real tight on you and they, they, they were nasty looking. That was funny. <laughs> yep. So, I had a hole in it and there was dirt all over <laughs> It's the first inning and I look like I just finished playing a doubleheader already, but <laughs> I kept getting a hit. You don't mess with it. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. I would, I would have done the same thing probably, but I just thought, I, I never thought about that, you know, not washing my pants. So <laughs> <laughs> I think but, it was more of, if I'm being honest, it was more of being lazy than anything. <laughs> That's funny. So but I could use it as an excuse. Definitely. So 
um, I've been uh, offering all the guests for this project uh, an opportunity to, while we wrap up their segments, to just kind of because obviously Grandpa Amando Pettis and our dad will listen to this. Um, dad's going to be a part of it, but um, if you had an opportunity to kind of say things or what what the stars meant to you, what you got out of the experience, what, what would you say to Grandpa? What would you say to Dad, maybe? I think what's cool and, and hearing how the people that you talk to and starting to hear these stories, it's cool seeing how just the impact they made. And, and the reason why they made an impact wasn't because really they did anything extraordinary or super special. They really were just themselves. Hmm. Was the, I don't think that the Montebello stars would have worked with anyone else. It took someone like that with that type of character who had the the wisdom to to speak into players like not even just as uh, what they're doing as an athlete but speak into their lives in the way that that both grandpa and dad did yeah and then just the way that they modeled it with the way that they lived and, and talked to people interacted with people and connected with people and now hearing the trickle down effect of how many people have been affected and and in, in impacted in positive ways, it, it, it's, it just talks about what kind of people they are. Totally. Uh, it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything special that we were doing baseball wise. It, I don't think that we were learning anything different or anything more advanced than anything else, but the, the type of people they were running it, that's what, what I think impacts people the most. And that's what motivated. And you talked about it earlier with me, the idea of when I moved to Arizona, uh, I started doing private lessons just because, you know, I wanted a side hustle. I still enjoyed coaching and I enjoyed teaching what, what they had taught me. And I think I've tried to approach it in the same way with the, the players that I work with where it's, yeah, I'm trying to help you get better at baseball and trying to help you master whatever skill or mechanics that we're working on. But ultimately I'm trying to help you become a better and more confident person. Yeah. It really, the, the biggest, I think development that the stars did the, what, what every single player left who stuck around that they, what they improved the most with, I think was character. They, they, you know, we improved on the field and we got better as baseball players, but we left as much better people. And so that's where I think that left the biggest impact on me. And now that I'm looking at, I started with just doing private lessons and then had enough players where I felt like, Hey, I can, I can do this here and had the logo built up and everything for the Arizona stars. Do you think um, we're going to, you think you're going to do that? That'll happen. Okay. It's, it, it's, you know, timing. I got the two young kids and a busy schedule and yeah. we'll have to make sure. I'll have to probably help you. It'll, it'll fit. Yeah, we got to fit it in our rhythm, but it'll happen. It's ready. I had everything designed and ready to go and was already talking to parents. I mean, this is, it's just a concept. It's not even, I don't even have a team and I had people ready to sign up because I'm speaking into them like the, and I'm casting vision of the same thing that I saw and I experienced through the, the Montebello stars and people are interested in that because it's different than what they're used to. There's the people that I worked with that I've talked to about doing a potential team out here. They told me that they're in as soon as I'm ready because they've done travel ball and they've, they've done these different club teams and, and they see what, and it's, 
you know, it's competitive and it's good and, and their, their players are getting better. But what that stars culture brings with the idea of character development and pouring into more than just the baseball side of it um, and really developing kids' confidence and, and really getting them to, I think, understand themselves better, that's what's different. And that's what has new Arizona potential stars families excited. And that's what, what we felt, I think, as players playing under dad and, and under grandpa. Totally. That was awesome. I, I, I really, I, I don't have much to say after that. I thought you, you nailed the buzzer beater at, at the end of the fourth quarter right there. That was a great, that was a great ending to the, to the, to the project. I think that what, the, what you said, the way you said it, um, I completely agree and um, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to be a part of this. Cool. All right, Zach. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Zach. That was an awesome interview. Zach's so well-spoken, really appreciated his words and he's so well thought out. And I thought that was one of my favorite interviews of this project. Really appreciated talking with my older brother about this whole thing, but we got one last guest, one more. We're bringing it home. This whole project is almost at an end. We got our, our most important guest probably on this project besides my grandfather, Mondo. We got his son, Mike Perez, my dad. Our next guest for this Montebello Stars oral history project for the Vicious Talk with Benny P podcast, a special guest, someone who's obviously very close to me in my life, my father, Mike Perez. Thanks for coming on. Dad, thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thank you for the introduction. Good evening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been long overdue. My dad's observed me kind of working on this project, the Vicious Talk podcast, really, for a while now. And it's been, um, you know, something that I've been trying to think of a good way to include him. And I couldn't think of a better way to discuss, you know, an oral history and his perspective and experiences with the Montebello Stars. So really excited to wrap up this project with my dad kind of taking it home and just, you know, wrapping up on and a lot of the themes that we've talked about with the Montebello Stars. My dad has a uh, perspective that is unique to almost everybody that I've talked to because he grew up and he saw Mondo Perez, my, my dad, my grandfather, start the team. And, you know, he was he was too young to play on the team. Correct. And so my grandfather was keeping my dad around as like a bat boy and he would be, he would participate in practices and, and such. And, but he wasn't playing yet. And so he not only experienced the stars as both a player and a coach eventually when he coached my brother and I, Zach, um, he also got to experience just like the whole origins of the team. And so looking forward to just kind of discussing your perspective on this subject. And why don't we start from the beginning? So dad, tell me about what do you remember from the early stages of, of the stars? So before you were even a player, like what was it like when grandpa first started? So, I mean, did you, how involved were you? Like, did you admire the players on the team? Did you admire grandpa for starting the team? Like, what did you, what was your, what do you remember of that? That's a good question. Uh, the thing is, is when I was growing up, my father was, uh, he was very unique in that 
He worked through the day, went to school at night, and during the weekends, he would play baseball. And then also, he was coaching. So he coached, I believe, at a, uh, in a little league. He coached in, in uh, I think he coached his nephew. So he coached a younger team. So for me, I just wanted to, you know, have a relationship with my dad to get involved with him. So that's how I started to go to his games. I would go to the Bat Boy. I would I would see him play with the, for the Choriceros on Sundays and I would watch him play and I just wanted to get involved with him. So I was too young to really understand the magnitude of of his influence on others or even his play, but I knew he was a unique and talented person based on what I saw, what others thought of him. And so for me, I think I was just trying to compete for time with him. I just wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to go and, and watch him and, and to just be a part of him. And in a ways, uh, he mentored me and he showed me the game of baseball. And also a lot of the people he played with, or even uh, some of his people that he coached, I they would they would just kind of let me, I was like a little padded in a way. And, and <laughs> so they kind of showed me the way yeah. because my dad was so busy. And gosh, you know, I have four sisters too. And looking back, my mom, God, God bless her. She really supported yeah. your grandfather's passion for the game, not only in playing, but in sharing the experience of the game to others. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people that I've spoken to, especially the older players that played with grandpa, like in the seventies and such, like have wanted to express their gratitude for the family. You know, they really understood. I mean, obviously grandpa's time was precious and people really appreciated him. I'm sure at home with the family, but also at the ball field, everybody really appreciated his company and everybody, I mean, Louis and Jim, like got this, the individuals I spoke with and Lotto, they were expressing gratitude to Dolores and my grandmother and and even my aunts, Michelle and, and Kathy. They remember the, them working like the snack stands and stuff like that. And so it turned into like a little bit of a family business, right? And then, Definitely. We were a mom and pop organization and my I was a bat boy. My mom and my grandmother, they helped with the fundraising. They helped with uh, the snack stand and... We were just a ground roots organization, definitely. Yeah. So when you finally got to first play with the Montebell Stars, how was it a big deal? Did it feel like a big deal that you know you're finally suiting up and you're and you're playing for this organization that you have been a part of, you know, prior to being being able to participate in the games? Definitely. Well, I. It's interesting because I initially started playing organized ball. I was nine. They didn't allow me to play when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So even though my father was coaching a team uh, and I was eight, I was not allowed to officially play in the game. So I only played in practice games. Although because you know I was your dad, my dad's <laughs> son, I was pretty good. But actually when I started to stars, I was 13 and, um, we used to, the stars only used to have the 17 to 18 year old team. They were called the Connie Mack. They played in the Connie Mack league. And then I believe they formed a 15, 16 year old team. And that was the Mickey Mantle. So the first year they, they formed a 13, 14 year old team that was called the Sandy Koufax league. And the truth is around 13 and 14, those are probably my awkward stages physically. So although initially from nine to 12, I was arguably one of the most talented players in the city. When I joined the Stars, I was honored, but I was kind of humbled because I was just okay. I didn't think, looking back, I was just an okay player. 
And also, my father was not the coach of the team. He was he was he organized, you know, he all organized teams. the whole all, all the, the teams. And he, yeah. Although I think he still was involved with the 17, 18 year old team. Mm-hmm. Actually, the head coach was my best friend, Angelo Armenta. His dad, Willie, was the coach. And so I kind of was humbled. I, I just I was OK. I was an OK player. Um, but I was very honored to play for the Stars and wear the the blue, red, and white. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, yeah. It was cool. Connor Connor Hancock talked about how he loved the jerseys. He like he thought it was like really cool when we had not the, the our shirts when we played were cool. Like the 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 we had like athletic tops, but he really liked the ones that you know they were the style that you you played with. Like you know they were just more like a jersey with like the red and the blue. The stripes are cool. That was cool. And then I quickly I. I've told my dad, I've asked my dad this. I mean, how do they become, they call the stars. And the reason why he, he it was a gathering of all stars, mm-hmm. but he just thought he eliminated all, he just wanted to eliminate the all. He just called their stars. These are stars players. And he really loved the Dodgers insignia. There's, and he loved like the S at the end, how it, it kind of flowed at the end. Mm-hmm. And I remembered him uh, drawing it out, the star's name. That's cool. I remembered that. And then the hat, gosh, whoever did design the hat, it was cool how they had the star, Classic, the M. Yeah. It, it was just, we were always was uh, respected and, and really admired when the teams we started playing against, just the whole stars uniform, how it was designed. It was, we were really well respected and well regarded so, right away. Yeah. So you played when, when you started at 13 yes. and then you played through 18 years old? Yes. What was your best years with the Stars? Or you or did you say so you guys you mentioned you played in the the world the world season the World Series in Tennessee, correct? Yes. So was that the best team you played for with the Stars? It was probably the best team. What happened was interesting. My 13, 14 old years, I was okay, but what was great was I got exposed to playing really good competition. In fact, the 13, 14 year old team. We played in the Compton League, so we actually played against the African-American players. And to watch them play and, and to see their athleticism was just, oh, it was unbelievable. And we used to play at Jackie Robinson Field. Um, but then at 15, what happened was my dad, he did it something new. He, he formed the rookies team. We were called the rookies. So although we were in the 15, 16-year-old division, we were all 15-year-olds. And, and I started getting... A lot more talented in the game. I, I started getting more involved, and my I think my dad's his is working with me, and um, just my physical growth. I started becoming a lot more talented, and then uh, what happened was that 15 year old team. We all went up as 16 year olds, and that's when we won the World Series in Memphis, and that was a really good team. We had uh, two players that played a pretty high level pro ball. That was Dalwin Young and his, he played with the Reds. And we probably heard of his son. His son played with the Dodgers, yeah. like one of the Youngs. Yeah. And then also we had a pitcher named Jeff Sallers and he played with the Red Sox organization. His, his son actually was with the Dodgers as a shortstop. But I, I just, I my more, my fond memory and it, it was the 17, 18 year old team, the Connie Mack, team because we were playing in great league. We used to play some great teams and uh, I just enjoyed so much that team. I, you know, my best friend Angelo was playing. I had the McCann brothers were playing. Was that, were those games at Montebello City Montebello Park? Montebello City Park. Yeah. That was our home field. So that was 
from my understanding, I like to hear the stories about how it was like an experience to go to the see the stars play at the city park because that city park is still run down by the time that I you know saw it and would play on it. It was like it was almost like a homeless were living in the dugouts half the time. And but I like to hear the stories about how like when the city park was booming and it was like there was maybe a hundred fans or so in the stands watching the stars play baseball. Were you a, you were a part of those games? Yes, yeah, I was. Uh, oh, it was so much fun. It was it was really a small little park it's a it's a park field and it was an all dirt infield uh there was a really close backstop you know the, and yeah. and actually the they had an overhang so if you ever hit like a little pop-up it just was a foul ball mm-hmm. so i always loved hitting there i thought it was a great place to hit no foul territory really i loved hitting there mm-hmm. I, I i just i always have such great fond memories of hitting there and uh, we really use it as a great home field advantage. I, I think especially at 17, 18, because at that level, almost every team was playing at some really nice fields. Like the best team, our main competition, they played at, I think our two main competitions, they played at junior colleges or colleges. So, so the grass infield. Grass infield. And- I think one was at Harbor College yeah. and then Cerritos College. So when they came to play us at Montebello, I was like, then we had an advantage because yeah. uh, we fast were used infield, to it. And, yeah. Fast infield. Um, short, uh, right field's kind of a short porch. It's a great place to hit. It yeah. is great. We have a great hitter. I remember uh, a player that joined us, Marcy Montero. So I remember he was a lefty hitter. Oh, he was a great lefty hitter. He used to love hitting there too. And so uh, I love the 17 internal team. And especially when you said about uh, – how many people would come? It, it was really a, a great environment. I think they even had announced the games there. They had right. an announcer, like a pro, like a PA, yeah, announcer. PA person. So we would get introduced. We didn't have the walk up songs like you guys did when I coached <laughs> the stars, but it was great. And I, the mess, if I could share, I think one of the best games I can remember where we had a huge crowd is we we're playing a team from um, Yorba Linda. And I remember they had they were very talented. They were one of the better teams in the Connie Mack League. And in fact, they had two players that got drafted in the first round. I think one was a catcher and then the pitcher. I think his his Stottlemyre was a pitcher against us. And so I remember your your grandfather. So before the game, we had a lot of people were there. In fact, there was a lot of scouts in the stand. It was the first time I ever seen a gun, a radar gun oh, okay. for a pitch. I had never yeah. seen that before. And they had these people that had radar guns. And I was like, who are they here for? <laughs> That's so typical, you know, Mondo, my father, he would say, it's always, what a beautiful day for a game. And he said, you know, this team's coming over to us, play us. And I bet you they play in beautiful field, probably beautiful grass infield. And they're going to come to Montebello and we're going to take it to them. We're going to, we're going to hit and run. We're going to put the ball in play. We're going to put pressure on the pitcher and the catcher. And I remember we beat them and the catcher, I remember, I think he airballed a couple of throws into the outfield because he yeah. was excited probably and well, uh, that was a great these, experience some that of was... his players that i was speaking to would say that when there was like, like a big opponent grandpa would get a little bit more energized that's where he would like he, i don't know it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily just like the championship game but grandpa would get energized for, to play the best players so if, if there was a team coming to town he would say like there was a third baseman that he that he was playing against where grandpa rode him the whole game and the rode and rode him and then he like he had a, a couple airs and he played bad and and like grandpa just he wanted to play the best players he wanted to prove that you know the stars were on the same level as the elite competition was, was that like something that you experienced when he was when he was around oh definitely he was uh <laughs> he he 
he was at we had such an advantage emotionally i think uh, uh mentally over other teams because of his upbringing mm-hmm. uh but he was competitive your grandpa what he he cared and and he he was fiery and he he expected us to be vicious to lay it on the line to to play hard and so you know the, the game i i shared this before and i the game you're talking about we played a really talented team and they had this very athletic and mature-looking third baseman. He was huge, you know, good size, six two, six three. He looked like he, he, he um, I think he had a lot of facial hair. And uh, my dad, we were on the third base side, and my dad coached third, and he rode this guy, and he called him macho ass and overrated, and <laughs> and this guy had such a horrible game, and and uh, and the guys in the dugout. And we loved it because, uh, man, Coach Mano, he's into this game. He bringing the energy for you guys. He brought the energy. And the truth is, is I kind of was a, for me, I was pretty laid back. I was a pretty quiet uh, player. Probably like you're, you're probably like grandma that way. I probably was. I probably took a little after my, well, you, of course, no doubt, as a child, you take after your parents. But uh, I think my dad's intensity and truly how he cared about everyone, um, I didn't need to I don't think I needed that same personality. I think I was able to just kind of develop my own and I was able to, no doubt it, he influenced me greatly. Yeah. Um, but I think my intensity looking back, it was, I was very intense when I batted. But other than that, I just kind of was pretty quiet and uh, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't rattle. I, I mean, I didn't rattle against the other team. I didn't rag against the other teams or players. I was very quiet. I did. I, that was something I didn't get involved. In. I let my dad do that, do that to the other players. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because I liked when I was talking to some of the former players, how they would describe some of Grandpa's coaching styles about how he would just do certain things, and I thought it was funny because. I was like, you know, my dad did that when I co- when I was playing. And like he would, like for example, like how you told when you were coaching Zach's team, you told one of his players just bunt the ball, bunt it, and like the guy looked at you strangely, like, what? Like you, you you can't actually want me to bunt it. And then like Grandpa did that. He he there was like a game where I think Louie was saying they were playing, and he the team I think uh, went spikes up on rather than Jim. I think he said went spikes up on Jim at second base, and Grandpa got pissed, and he was just like, you know what? Screw it. And he was just like started saying. Hit and run, bunt. Like he would just steal. Like he would just say the signs out. He's like, "It doesn't matter the competition. We're gonna beat you. We don't care." That's true. Well, he also he kept it so simple. He said the game of baseball is played just played correctly. He yeah. didn't. He didn't. Uh, There's no he tricks. Didn't, no tricks. So actually, he would. What he was interested because when we played at Montebello, the the field was really close, and they had these, and the dugout kind of extended out and had a pole that was out, and he would just say, "Put a glove on the pole," and that meant hit and run, and he put a helmet there that meant steal, and but we didn't have a bunt sign. He would he would tell you he would I don't <laughs> even verbalize tell you he would show you the bunt just like laid down. But the truth is is that he really uh, emphasized being aggressive. Uh, Take a good cut. So the bunt was not something yeah. that he really cherished. He really loved the hit and run. And I think he taught me that right away. And so when I played, uh, I usually batted second and he loved to hit and run with me. So, and I went the other way a lot. And I, you know, because I switched hit, that was something that he, he just, we had hit and run with me often. Yeah. And, uh, I, I loved it and, and he did he kept it simple we were not he didn't have extravagant signs either it was just really simple and especially how I mentioned about just the hat or the helmet yeah he, he, and everyone knew it and he didn't want to be he didn't think it was 
necessary to trick the other team. That wasn't that yeah. wasn't necessary. One thing that Zach pointed out that I thought was very interesting, and I didn't think about it this way, was when you were coaching the Stars back in I couldn't I I forgot the year. He said two thousand eight was when we started it back up, and I was like, dang, that that was a while ago. But you know, it was. And so he said, and he brought up a good point. He said, in the early on, early stages, it was more of just uh, it was more of just a hodgepodge of players that came from Loyola just to get some extra work in. But as the years went by, when we kind of finished, by the time we wrapped up the the, the restart of the Stars, I think we start we stopped around 2014 or, or so, and. By the time we wrapped it up, we were a completely different culture and a completely different team. And over the course of that, those six years or so, we developed an interesting, like a culture that really resonated and reflected the way that the team was organized and run back when grandpa was coaching it. So I wanted to ask you, like, was that kind of something that was in the back of your mind when you were coaching? Like the stars, did you want the legacy of the stars to continue to be what grandpa had it? Or was it just kind of natural? I think it's a combination of both. Both. That's an interesting point. I, I think the most important thing was when I started coaching is is your brother Zach. He asked me to to coach him, and I actually went to my father and I said, "Do you mind if we try to redo the stars?" And at that time, my dad was excited, and also he was pretty healthy where he wanted to participate. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It was I didn't really have the context to to acquire players. So it was kind of a team of Loyola High School kids because that's where your brother went to school and that's where you went to school. So initially, I think the team was made out of, I wanted to support your brother. I wanted to see if I could help him. And it went from there. And then what happened was, it evolved, you're right, like the stars where it was became word of mouth where I, the players saw, they asked me, hey, can this player come? Can I invite him? And I would say, sure. I never turned anyone down. I think the, well, the, what I found interesting about that with that aspect of not turning someone down is I, I don't think grandpa necessarily would cut players as well. And you did the same thing, but a player would cut themselves if they didn't fit our culture. Because we had a specific brotherhood and like kind of if you didn't mesh with our players, you know, you didn't necessarily get the most out of being with us. And so a lot of the guys that left our team or didn't play very long on our team maybe didn't fit the culture. And maybe they just kind of ended up weaning themselves out because we we had a style that was perfect, a good hybrid of, you know, having fun, but also working your ass off and, you know, being diligent and, and getting better every time you're out there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that happened with when I was playing with uh, with the stars. That uh, you're right. That you kind of cut yourselves. They cut themselves because the, maybe the talent. Uh, maybe they weren't good enough. Maybe sometimes. they weren't good enough. But also, I, I think the passion for the game might have died. And I think when I was fortunate when I started to coach you and your brother with the stars and the players that we had. Uh, yeah, we we cared about winning, but it, it, the most important thing was to play with passion. Uh, to show that you care about your teammates. And yeah, that, those resonated from, from Mondo. That's that's the principles of the Mondo Stars. You know, his motto is education through baseball. And I remember having a talk with the players where I, I mentioned that I think the majority, almost all the players of the team were were good kids, I mean, good players, and they were there were students first that happened to play the game. And, and there is a difference between guys or players that go to schools that they're there for to play a sport, and then they go to school. And I think the stars, and especially the when I started coaching you, it was the players were were good students that played the game because they enjoyed it, and and 
And I, I enjoyed just being around them. The the atmosphere of the stars when I played and when I coached was was excellent. Uh, I, Which, I have great memories. What do you think you you enjoyed the most, or was it the same playing or coaching with the stars? No, I I, I enjoyed watching you and your brother play. So when I played, looking back, yeah, I enjoyed it. But uh, I think what I enjoyed the most was the friends I've met. Uh, just the whole environment I enjoyed, just hanging out with my father because it was tough to, the guy is a, he's a busy man, your grandpa. So if I was able to spend a few hours with him on the field, that was great. And if I could ride him a little bit, you know, back then I told, I, I've shared with you, sometimes him and Willie, they would smoke during innings and I would, what are you smoking for? I'm the one who's playing. Are, are you nervous? And you, they would, like, grab, and your grandpa would say, ah, shut up. But, uh, but when I started coaching you and your brother, I was so much fun. And what in many ways, it's, I probably, was able to develop what happened to my father because he coached he coached players that I wasn't involved in the team. Mm-hmm. He just did it because he loved to be around the young men. And he also felt that he had a talent to to share the game, but most importantly to share his life lessons. And and that's totally that's where, you know, I, I think that's where I, I, I had the best uh, interest for as well. Totally. Totally. Well so as we wrap up, what I'm offering every. I've asked everybody that I've spoken to. So, just kind of to wrap up the come full circle. If when Grandpa listens to this, what would you share share with him? With like, what did the stars mean to you in your life? I, I know you mentioned this with the other guests that spoke, and uh, I I think um, you know many people might. And they, if they listen to this, they might know that my father is dealing with uh, Alzheimer's now. Excuse me. And um, I think that he's looking back at his life. And, and I think it, it happens with all of us. When you get older, you start reflecting and you start uh, figuring out, no, what, what was my purpose? You know, what did I accomplish? And uh, I think that no doubt... Um, you know, many of the guests will will share. Excuse me, <laughs> it's emotional. You know, you, the, the guy, the guy's an old man, but you know, he touches your life. But uh, I think most importantly is that he he is shared, or everyone lets him know that uh, truly thank him to, for the impact that he has made yeah. on their lives. And I think uh, his lesson through the simple motto of you know education through baseball and you know the stars organization it resonates and. I think you you know you learned so many life lessons and um you know I I think if I finish it I re- I remember how he, he always would say oh it's a beautiful day for a ball game and you yeah. know look it's interesting because we're in southern california so I mean typically the weather was nice and so uh you know when I played we never were allowed to say if it was hot or we never were allowed to complain about our uh any of the playing conditions you want here so yeah, we were never allowed to. So in fact, so when we came out to play, everyone, it was like, it was kind of like a mantra. Wow, what a beautiful day for a ball game, Mondo. And so I remember my buddy told me, he's a doctor now. It's, this is Frank. He lives in Arizona now. And I remember he, he sent me a note that said, uh, he was, he was having a tough morning or, or, and he had to go in for surgery. And he said, he had Mondo's mantra thinking, oh, what a beautiful day. For a ball game, and he he associated to, you know, what a beautiful day just for a day. And mm-hmm. so I think for all of us, you know, 
we don't know what lies ahead. Uh, I think, especially now with COVID, what's going on, uh, you know, you, you you don't take for granted what, what happens, but to just think that this old man, <laughs> this old man of 85 now, that, uh, you know, for his beautiful messages, beautiful day for a ball game, you know, be vicious, it still resonates today to, you know, all uh, all aspects of life. And, and so, yeah. you know, for the old man, for Pops, you know, thank you. And uh, 85, and hopefully, you know, he still has more years to share and to impact uh, so many others, uh, you know, throughout throughout his lifetime. Totally. Yeah, he's touched a lot of people's lives, and that's what's my favorite part about doing this has been. Yes. So, all right, Dad, thanks so much. My pleasure. It. All right. All right, vicious talk. All right, that's it. That was our last interview. Really fun project. This whole thing started out as just kind of a birthday gift for my grandfather's 85th birthday that was this last week, and it turned into a lot more. I really enjoyed the stories and learning more about how the stars made such an incredible impact and how my grandfather just touched so many people throughout his life. And to every star out there who listened to these last two episodes but was not able to participate in the project, I appreciate you, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed working on it. If you had a story that you'd like to share or an experience you had with the stars or my grandfather, you can always reach out to me and we can figure out a way to bring you onto this podcast to share whatever you'd like to share. Or you could always email my Aunt Michelle at M-V-E-R-M-I-L-Y at L-A court. That's L-A-C-O-U-R-T dot org. That's, again, M-V-E-R-M-I-L-Y at L-A-Court dot org. Because my Aunt Michelle has been working on gathering a big bundle of written stories that she's going to compile into a book regarding these topics and more involving my grandparents and their lives. So before we wrap this up, I got one last story for you. One more thing. One thing that really encapsulates who my grandpa Vicious was. And it gives me chills every time I hear this story. So... Here it goes. My dad, Mike Perez, he was about 20 to 21 years old or so. He was attending Whittier College at the time, and during the summer, he and his friends were playing baseball for the Montebello Stars on Sundays to stay in shape during their off-seasons. It was a sunny afternoon, and the Evergreen Yankees were coming into Montebello, something they didn't do very often. Evergreen was one of the best teams around. They were a little bit older than the Stars, and they were not lacking in confidence, to put it lightly. Evergreen didn't leave their home field often, so this was a big opportunity for the Stars to defend their home turf, Montebello City Park. The stands were bustling. I'm sure my aunts Kathy and Michelle were manning the snack stand. And on the corner of Los Angeles Avenue and George Hensel Drive, the Montebello Stars welcomed the Evergreen Yankees for a game of Sunday baseball at Montebello City Park. When the Stars showed up to play, there was something obviously wrong. They only had eight players. But instead of forfeiting the game or playing shorthanded, Coach Bondo decided to suit up and man first base to keep the game going as scheduled. The old man was 50 years old. Without hesitation, he hopped into the game riddled with young, quality ballplayers. This wasn't just any old relaxing Sunday ballgame. These teams were competitive. And like I said, the Stars were defending their home turf in Montebello. Early in the game, my grandfather... Mondo Pettis was at first base and a routine ground ball was hit to someone on the Stars infield. The throw to first was good, but Mondo didn't quite see the ball well, and he ended up dropping the throw. His eyes hadn't yet adjusted to being back on the ball field. The man was playing with kids almost half his age, and I'm sure the speed of the game took some acclimating too. But like Mondo always says, better days are ahead. He later came up to bat against one of the harder throwing pitchers the Yankees had on their roster. 
Mondo was vicious in a lot of aspects in his life, but never more so than when he was in that batter's box, staring down an opposing pitcher, waiting for his opportunity to show what he could do. By this time in the game, his eyes must have been seeing the ball better because the evergreen pitcher fired in a hard fastball. Mondo twisted his hips, threw his hands at the incoming ball, and made perfect contact with the baseball. Whack! What happened next, nobody in attendance could believe what they saw. The ball was hit high and far into left field. It kept going and going and going. And not only did it clear the fence that was about maybe 350 feet away, but it also cleared the apartments that sat on the other side of the fence. The ball landed where nobody could see. The crowd was in disbelief, and the star's dugout went crazy. Mondo was trotting around the bases, and when he rounded third, the whole team was waiting for him, patting him on his head and his back, cheering him on, for none of them had ever seen something so amazing. The old man, 50 years old, playing in what would be his last ball game he would ever play in, had just hit the furthest home run any of them had ever seen hit at Montebello City Park. He touched home and turned to my dad, Mike, who was on deck, and he said, all right, son, get a hit. Like nothing had changed. In his mind, the moment had passed, and it was time to play some more baseball. Mondo Perez was an incredibly humble person. He never got too high, and he never got too low. He was an individual with so much passion, intensity, purpose, motivation, and more than anything, love. It's funny that when he got older, that he'd be one of he'd be the one always asking people. Are you vicious? Because I don't think there was anybody who ever met Mondo who would contest that he was not the most vicious person they had ever met. So I'll ask you one more time as we close out this podcast. Are you vicious? Vicious!